Welcome to the podcast. This is a weekly podcast by Denver Transplants. I'm Matt. And I'm Andrew. And this is You Are Not From Here. Boom. You aren't from here, but yeah. True. You are not from here. You're not from here. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is going to be episode 25, right? So we're almost halfway to a year. Dude, I thought of, I thought about that the other day. Like, and I think it was a couple a couple days ago. Actually, I had a dream like around like just doing the math in my head. You know, fifty two weeks in a year. We're one episode away from halfway. Like, I think it's pretty impressive. It doesn't feel like it's been half. You know, we've been doing this for six months, but I mean, I feel like it's a pretty pretty big milestone. Proud of us. Yeah. No, completely. Um, Rockies opening day was last week, and. We start out with a W, beating the Dodgers, opening game, and then uh, proceeded to lose three. Lose the next two. <laughs> the next three. <laughs> next three. But yeah. just wanted to be, let, <laughs> let everybody know that we did beat the Dodgers, so you can uh, tell them to shove it. It's so, so huge. Yeah, I thought it was big. Um, so this week on the fun facts, we unfortunately haven't been able to learn that much this week, so we don't have a what did you learn, but we have some pretty good kind of fun facts, things you need to know. First, so sweat, sweat, hang on. Before I, I just thought of this and I saw this. So our good friend Charlie Berger at Denver Beer Co. I don't know if you were gonna go into this, but he started, I saw this on Facebook or on Instagram, they started to go fund me to buy the Rockies. <laughs> so if you go on Denver Beer Co.'s like website, they started a like GoFundMe that's like for a billion dollars or something, under the impression, like, hey if we all contribute in, we can buy the Rockies and make them like a winning team again. So I, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you before you went into your fun facts, but the Rockies talk. Um, no, I like it. I mean, me that, so. I don't know if the Monfords will allow it, but I like the idea. There's also another GoFundMe that was started to bring back Casa Bonita. And really one actually, they're saying that technically Casa Bonita is going to open soon, but they don't have a date yet. And they said it was due to the locals putting together a fund to bring it back. So did they like, did Casa Bonita like technically shut down and like close down they, or have they just been shut down because of the, of COVID? Like they didn't actually permanently shut down. So I've been following this for quite a bit of months because I really want to go. Um, they have been for, especially for our episodes, they have been closed and if you look online, it basically says permanently closed. And if you call in, you basically, you can't get a hold of anybody. Um, they never really released anything about opening or closing. They've just been closed ever since. And they currently have <clears throat> the most recent thing they had, is they had a lawsuit from a older gentleman that said they discriminated against him being a diver for, he was like a world-class diver and he was like 72 and that supposedly he, they discriminated and said, you're too old for this. So uh, that was their most recent kind of uproar news. So I think if they open back up, we're going. And we got to go quick because we don't know how long they're actually going to be open. Right, right. Yeah. Okay. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. All right. Sorry, Sweat. I derailed, but carry on. No, you're good. So uh, big news, Elitch's Gardens, you know, the amusement park right next to downtown is to open up this summer and it's going to be at 18 percent capacity um starting out so i think they're kind of you know setting the stage that they're going to reopen and they're starting out, out kind of you know lower numbers just to make sure 
And then I think as time goes on, hopefully they get to open more. Another thing, Vincent Van Graham exhibit is coming to Denver, which is basically like a Vincent Van Gogh, but you're like immersed in the Vincent Van Gogh. So it's like kind of like what I'm seeing on the photos is so like the water lilies, you would just be in a full room of like Vincent Van Gogh's water lilies as like it would all be projected on the wall. They don't know where it's going to be, but it's slated to open September 30th. And tickets went on sale last week. Yeah, I got I got tickets oh, for that actually. You. So, how much were tickets? Uh, well, when I say I got tickets, my father-in-law bought tickets. Uh, they are like mostly they're they're pretty picked over. Um, my under, from my understanding, I think there are some weekends open later. I think it I think it's going on through pretty late. I think like maybe even beginning of 2022 or something. So that there may be my understanding there may be a few weekends still left that are pretty late but most of the weekends are picked over for the foreseeable future so we i think we're going at like noon on a wednesday or something like (laughs) like literally just taking off lunch and going so but yeah so we're we're doing it. it looks legit so yeah so if uh obviously denver's a big art city based on how many tickets are sold so if you really want to go, I'd probably say look ASAP and hopefully there's tickets left. Yeah. And then my last thing you need to know is Red Rocks, as we've reported, is planning on opening this summer. Their capacity is going to be 2,500 people. They've announced some kind of new concerts recently. Zoo is going to be playing there on May 4th and May 5th. And one that just got that I saw is Diplo is going to be playing May 12th and May 13th. Pre-sale goes on probably as you're listening to this episode, Tuesday, April 6th at 10 a.m. So get on there, get your tickets. If you want to go to Red Rocks, 2,500 people. Last week when I tried to buy zoo tickets, the pre-sale was gone by about 1045. So be quick with it and pay attention. Okay. Now I'm going to have to, yeah, I'm going to, I'm looking at that right now, actually now. Yeah. And yeah, there's a pre-sale offer. If you want to, uh, for everybody out there, if you like to go to Red Rock concerts and you want to be on the pre-sale emails, you want to go to like the official AEG presents Rocky Mountains and sign up for that list because that's typically where I get my pre-sales and it will also give you the code for the pre-sale. Otherwise, you can't get into it, and you have to wait for the general public. So be uh, a little tip there for the things you need to know. Good to know. Good to know. So as we said, we're going to skip the what did you learn. Matt and I, we didn't learn that much this week, so. And dude, we haven't even told everyone what we're doing today. I mean, granted, you clicked on the episode so you know who we're interviewing, but we – now that we have are wrapping up the beers of the week with our favorite brewery, Bootstrap Brewing, for the last four or five weeks, we are now we have now had a chance to talk with the owners and did an interview with them. So that's what we are going to be airing this week. Now, this one, let me tell you, ladies and gents, the the owners of Bootstrap, you're gonna have to remind me their name, Sweat, but. Uh, that the owners of Bootstrap Brewery are freaking awesome. It's a husband and wife pair. 
this is one of the most fun episodes that Sweatnam and I probably had. And I think we could have made that episode four hours long because we just like talking to him. But yeah, it's, and it's, it's definitely an interview for the for the record books. So yeah, no, it's definitely we had a lot of fun with the owners and husband and wife are Steve and Leslie Kazus. And yes. as we told you guys, the brewery is up in Longmont. Um, so really fun couple. Really had a great time. They have their corporate meetings in their hot tub, which I, I think is awesome. So one day I want to get there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Sign me up for uh, for some hot tub meetings in my place of work. Yeah, no, it, it, they're freaking awesome. The beer, as you guys have heard us been talking about, has been pretty solid and, and is, is definitely one of the top beers I've had in Denver area so far. So this is uh, definitely one you're not going to want to miss and essentially – you probably already kind of knew that clicking on the title of this episode, but now you officially know that is what will be on the latter two thirds of this episode. So Um, why don't we just leading into that? Why don't we just go straight into the beer of the week? Yeah. Yeah. That works. We only have one more left. Yeah. So this week we are trying the lush puppy juicy IPA. It explains it as the lush puppy is made with massive amounts of hops to give this beer a great tropical, citrusy flavor and aroma. As always, gluten reduced. The alcohol by volume is 6.3%, so a little bit higher. And uh, the music to go along with it is Who Let the Dogs Out and Three Dog Night, which is great. And (laughs) if you look at the can, I mean, it has a bunch of like puppy dogs all around it and they're all chasing after oranges. So it's kind of cool. And I did find, as you guys will learn, the cowbell, it's on the big dog that says Lush Puppy. So let's give it a try, man. Let's give it a shot. Yeah. Right down the fairway, as always. Yeah. Yeah. Super orangey. Yeah, I mean, it's it's juicy IPA. As we for everyone to know, I accidentally drank my IPA a couple weeks ago, accidentally. Uh, so Swetnam is trying this one on his own. I'm not proud yeah. of what I've done, but yeah, but, Matt decided. Uh, Matt decided in his uh, drunken state that he could drink the juicy IPA not during the episode. So, uh, but yeah. in my defense, that's the first time. That was the first time that that's happened. So, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think it's solid. I like it. Uh, as we have said throughout all of the beers of Bootstrap, they don't really like get out of their out of their lane. I mean, they just do exactly what they say they're going to do. It's a juicy IPA. I would say you can definitely taste the alcohol increase on the back end. Being a six point three percent, you can taste it, which I like because you get, you have a good understanding that you're actually drinking an alcoholic beer. Yeah. So, I personally. I mean, I think this is close to the Juicy Freak Juicy. Ooh, that's that's high praise from you, Sweat. Yeah, and I can't remember what I gave it, but I think this has to go with like an 8.1. Wow. Yeah, and I think it's just, I mean, it's just a solid Juicy IPA. And since I've become one to frequent the Juicy IPA, I think this goes high on the list of my Juicy IPAs. Wow. Dude, this this podcast has changed your beer drinking habits, which I love. Because you I you are so averse to IPAs in any capacity. And now it's 
well, you're still kind of averse to most IPAs, but the juicy ones, you're we're at least branching you into slowly the juicy IPAs. <laughs> yeah, no, completely. And like, I don't know, just these cans are so cool. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you found me just buying this just because the can's so cool. Yeah. I can like spend like 20 minutes just staring at the can as you drink the can. So it's really cool. And sweat, like not to give too much away from our episode, but the art, they, they hide intentionally hide things in the art. Like you were talking about with cowbells and his face is on one of the cans, which we're not going to mention. We'll let the episode talk about that. But when you guys see these cans, you're, they're hard to miss. And even when you go and find them, if you're not looking closely, you could miss a couple things that are kind of little, you know, now that we're in Easter, kind of little Easter eggs that are hiding in those, the, the labels there. So yeah, yeah it's kind of well, a cool, and the cool part. I mean, it is, as I talk about, it's a, it's a matte finish to the can. So you can like feel actually like the, the, like the texture of the dog and like the texture of the can. So it's really, really cool. Yeah. I feel a lot. I'm sad to see this one be finished, but we will find a brewery, another brewery that hopefully we like. Yeah. Sounds great. Okay. Well, yeah. Pour one out. Pour one out for Bootstrap. Yeah. Great place. Love it. Very solid place. Very solid. Okay. Well, Sweat, then where, uh, so what did we, where did we go? We're going to count as Bootstrap, just given that that's the interview. But what did we try this week? Yeah. I mean, this is pretty much my week of the episode. It is, dude. Yeah. And I'm just, this is, you, you're, I'm here to listen to you talk. Yeah, this is my ep- this is my episode. Episode twenty five is Andrew Swenham. Andrew Swenham's episode. So, this one uh, this week, I tried Lucille's Creole Cafe. There are six locations in Colorado. The first one in home base is Boulder, and then they also have a location in Longmont, Denver, Denver East, Evans, Littleton, and Fort Collins. So the Denver locations for people that live local. It's 275 South Logan Street, and then the other one is 2095 South Ogden Street. And Lucille's is basically, it's a New Orleans traditional Louisiana, basically lunch and breakfast place. When I went, I personally got the, it was the Carlin Country, which is Chef Mickey's sausage gravy on buttermilk biscuits served with red beans and grits. And I basically get rolled out of there. Sounds dank. Yeah. So, I mean, my thoughts were, we're at that time of the year where if you have friends that are down in the South, a lot of times they're eating, they're doing crawfish boils and you don't really see them that much here. So if you're, if you've ever had New Orleans food or you ever had like the Cajun style food, I think this is a really good option to go to if you kind of need that Cajun style fix. And I mean, I think, it's really, really solid. Um, what a cool, like, unique – I mean, it's a unique concept, right? Like, I mean, Creole restaurants and, like, New Orleans restaurants aren't – you know, they're not unheard of, but you don't see that every once in a while. You know, you have your Mexican, your Italian, every – you know, your standards. Creole food and cuisine, I mean, that's – when you find it, it's pretty – when you find good Creole cuisine, that's it's pretty, pretty awesome to find. That's a good find. Yeah. And that, you know, just to give you guys perspective, they kind of have everything. I mean, they have red beans and rice, they have gumbo, they have shrimp pole boys. They have like Creole shrimp, uh, biscuits and gravy. They have shrimp and grits. They have a Creole omelet. I mean, 
they pretty much have anything you can think of Creole outside of like getting straight up just a crawfish boil, which is sad, but you're not going to be able to find that too many places. Yeah. So my rating personally, I think I give this a 8.0. Which I'm pretty high ratings out of you this week. Yeah. I don't know if I'm just feeling good, but every time I've been there, they just, it's really solid. They have some like Creole hot sauce you can put on everything. It's just really good. They have the Cajun ketchup that's really, really good. So, I mean, I don't know. It's a Saturday morning waking up and going to Lucille's, getting biscuits and gravy and getting rolled out of there. It's it's amazing. It's really yeah. good. Yeah. Just come with cigarettes. We've, we've been over this. You get, uh, <laughs> get some biscuits and gravy and finish it off with a Marlboro Red. So Exactly. There you go. <laughs> So, yeah, so that's Lucille's Creole Cafe. Uh, try it. You'll love it. If you've never had Cajun food, this is a good place to start. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Well, Sweat, one thing we forgot to mention, um, and this is kind of last week, we mentioned that the COVID vaccine is now available for anyone that is over 16 in the Denver area. So, we, this really has, you know, it's kind of more just a little nugget of info, but if you guys have not gotten it, you are now eligible if, for your Pfizer, Moderna, J&J vaccine. I actually got mine last week. So go and get them if you haven't. I think, you know, like we were saying that the quicker everyone gets that and we can get some herd immunity, the quicker we can get outside, be around each other just in time for summertime. So felt like I needed to just make sure, you know, we mentioned it last week on last, last week's episode, but now is, now is the time. If you are curious, you can literally look up on the, the state website. They actually have locations of where you can go and schedule appointments today. So I would recommend if you don't, you know, if you don't go through your primary care provider, or if you want to go somewhere uh, like a Safeway or some, some, you know, Walmart, they, they have them everywhere. So you can go onto the city website or the state website and they actually have a COVID vaccine locator that you can go ahead, plug into one around your house, set up an appointment and then go. So just wanted to make sure that everyone knew that if you were above 16 years old, you are now eligible. So, I mean, you, you don't delay, might as well just get it. It's free. Right. So. Yeah. And Matt and I have both gotten our first shot and my arm just hurt a little bit. That's about it. Dude, mine, mine kind of kicked my butt for 24 hours after. I, I felt pretty awful after. But then it was it was weird because I've already had it. And I've heard different things about people being like, if you've had, if you actually had COVID, for some reason, the vaccine can be like more harsh than if you did it. I don't know the science behind that. It doesn't make any sense to me. But for me, it was like, I felt great right after the vaccine. And then I went to bed, woke up, and I did not feel great that next day. But then it, it was gone as quick as it came. So it's, uh, and we, I got Moderna, so it, it may be different with Pfizer, but that's, uh, that was my experience. Really not that bad, but if you have something you're looking forward to, maybe space it out to where you have a day where you can just kind of chill and it, it's not going to last more than 24 hours. I would be very surprised if it did. So worth it. That's, Go and get it. Go and get that scheduled. That's our non-doctor opinion. Yes. That is a very unmedically professional <laughs> opinion. So Please do not, yeah, that, that's not, do not quote and go tell your primary care provider that you aren't from here podcast told you that this was how this is going to go. So we have no <laughs> idea. So there you go. Okay, guys. Well, episode five, 25, one more away from halfway through a year's worth of 
podcast. So we're pumped. Hope you guys will really enjoy this episode. I think that you guys will really love it. And then hopefully it gets you guys excited to go try some bootstrap brewery beers. So, all right, guys, here's the interview. Talk to you all next week. All right, guys. Well, we have Steve and Leslie Kazoos here, and they are the owners of Bootstrap Brewing Company. Uh, Leslie, Steve, thank you so much for joining us today. Appreciate you having you guys on here. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for, thanks for having us. Yeah, really. So, so just to get us kicked off here. So, you guys are husband and wife. So, can you tell us a little bit about yourselves, how you guys met, and then when did beer kind of get brought into the the relationship here? Yeah, so um, Leslie and I were in the high tech industry for a number of years, and uh, we were working together. And um, I thought she was pretty cute. (laughs) (laughs) No, we were always at parties together and whatnot. We worked together and uh, we just kind of liked each other and drank beer and, you know, hung out and whatnot. And we ended up out in California working for Silicon Valley company out there for a number of years. And I don't know, for me, it was when we were out there, there was, I think it's the original Gordon Beers. And then maybe there, there was the Tide a house. the Tide House. And these were two places that were brewing their own beer and, you know, some traditional stouts and dunkels and then some IPAs and stuff. And we were like, oh man, this is a great place to hang out before we go to a hockey game or whatever and just trying all these different beers. And then Leslie bought me a homebrew kit and um, because my background is engineering and I like to create things and make things and whatever. And so that was kind of a creative outlet for me to do some fun stuff with beer. And I was pretty decent at it. Definitely, there were a couple of skunky batches that I made and whatnot, but it, it, it was fun to just kind of get going, do this as a hobby, and then life hit, and we had kids and all that good stuff. But Yeah, he kind of thought we could save some money if he um, made beer for me <laughs> instead of taking me out all the time. Sure. <laughs> Smart man. Smart man. Yeah, right. Very <laughs> sure. I should start doing that, Matt. Yeah, there you go. yeah. Well, it's funny you bring that up, Steve, because my my wife brought or bought me. It wasn't a home brewing kit. It was a like, and literally, it's just they basically walk you step by step of what to do, and it's like you made your own beer, but it's like instructions. Right. And I think I, it's been sat. It's sat in our closet unopened for I think four years now, and so um, <laughs> I probably should open it, and because I, I love it, I think I would love brewing my own beer. I just haven't gotten to it. So you sure. made an inspiration for me to to open that up here after four years so (laughs) there you go you can't do any worse than what i did so (laughs) (laughs) debatable because you actually made a a beer company yeah yeah that's fair i think you're you're doing pretty well for yourself there steve so (laughs) (laughs) so i guess continuing on how did you guys get to bootstrap and how did you guys get to walmart we actually grew up here i grew up in erie and steve uh went to high school in boulder and to see you we ended up uh, working together in Longmont and it, I think, gosh, there was uh, just a period of time where the economy crashed and uh, there was more work opportunities out in the Bay Area. So we decided let's go out there for a couple years until things pick up. And uh, we stayed there a little bit longer than we thought, but finally moved back home in 
2004? Yep, 2004, um, transferred with my company. And then over a period of time, my company got bought out by another company and didn't know if um, I was going to have a work for, you know, at least six months or whatever, or after six months. And so that, that was kind of the catalyst for Leslie and I to go, you know, we've always talked about having control of our own lives and our own bit and maybe start our own business. And it was like, oh gosh, you know, what would we do? And um, that just kind of started the whole journey for us and trying to figure out, you know, what are we interested in? I mean, we were all over the map. Um, I was taking franchise classes. Maybe we'd open up a B&B or she wanted to do horse instruction or whatever. But we were always in um, breweries or in a, a brew pub going, what would we ever do? What would we ever do? <laughs> and um, I, I mean, I was even talking about, you know, maybe getting three great clips because I was interested in the business side. And she said, all right, so everybody calls in sick. Are you going to go cut people's hair? And I'm like, wow, no, <laughs> no that's, not, that's not me. So we started going, okay, what are we passionate about? What do we really love doing? And the beer, um, beer brewing for me was a lot of fun. We enjoyed drinking beer. It was a fun hobby. And we said, would we ever consider turning that into a business? And um, shoot, we got some of the best breweries in the country here in Colorado. Made great friends with Dale at Oscar Blues, the Odell's from Odell Brewing. You know, just a lot of great people. And they encouraged us to, you know, start that journey. And the biggest thing that they said was, if you get in the business now, because they had been in for 15, 20 years at that point, if you get in the business now, do not put out shitty beer because that's a poor reflection on everything that we just did. So they had set the bar high for us and we knew we had to come in with a home run right off the bat. Good quality beer, great tasting beer. And we eventually had the opportunity to do it. And we started in Niwot, actually, because we live in Niwot. Hmm. And it was just a small, what, a barn, a pole barn and like 1,200 square, 1, square feet. And I'm like, damn, okay, we're going to make this jump. What if I brew beer and nobody comes? Nobody likes my beer. And she was like, nah, you're making great beer. People will find us. And sure yeah. enough, they did. And that started the journey. That's right. Yeah. yeah. We were pretty inspired by our trips to Bavaria. Mm -hmm. Of the You know, every village, every town has a local neighborhood brewery and, and people walk up and down the streets with their growlers in their hands. They yep. go fill them up, walk back home. And so we really wanted to be the neighborhood brewery. Yeah. And it worked out great. It really did. Now you're in Denver. Hey, um, we're getting there. We're getting there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> the, the first part of this is an interview. The second is us trying to sell you on moving to Denver. So, so what was the uh, what was the first beer you guys made or first couple I guess like what was like your kind of bread and butter when you guys opened? Well, we had uh, three beers on tap. I, the first beer we brewed was the brown ale, um, just because it gave us a little forgiveness and learning about the efficiency of the brew house. 
Um, then we did the gold, then we did an IPA, and then we had a chili beer. So those were the four beers we went out with right off the bat and opened up. And eventually our Insane Rush IPA became the standard for us. That became our bread and butter. And that was the one that we canned first. We were just this small brewery that did like 500 barrels and we're like, hey, let's get, let's put our beer in a can. And so we got mobile canning to come over. They canned our first beer. We're, you know, we're young and naive and we're just going, well, let's get into the IPA market with our first beer, you know, the most competitive market. And we went after it and we said, if we're going to survive, Let's just go straight into the biggest market and compete with the biggest people. And, and we had uh, one skew. We had we one had, skew. We had, yeah. we had retailers that were, were stacking three of them side by side saying, when's the next one coming out? When's the <laughs> right. next one coming out? <laughs> right. Well, I, I love the Insane Rush. That was, I think that was my favorite one of the ones we tried. That was right on. Well, I'm also an IPA guy, so I gravitate towards those, but that was what well, we tried into that. What? Yeah, we haven't tried the juicy IPA yet, and that's oh, you gotta try that. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that's next week. I'm that's excited. the last one. Okay, okay. That's the last so one. that one um, has been at Coors Field at the Colorado Rockies for a couple of years. Um, it's going to be there again this year at the rooftop bar, along with the Chillax Pineapple Gold. So that one's just. We released it a couple of years ago and it's it's just grown like crazy and it's pretty much catching up to our insane rush as yeah. one of our best sellers. Nice. Yeah, yeah. That's that's right. Sweatnam likes his juicy IPA. So we're we saved that we saved that one for last. We got it. Yeah. So so Leslie and Steve, I want to dive a little bit into more of the the brewery itself. So Tell us a little bit, you know, what makes Bootstrap Brewing Company different from, like you just mentioned, Steve, there's breweries everywhere. This is one of the epicenters of craft brewing in the U.S. and the world. So what makes BBC, I'm going to abbreviate, what makes BBC uh, stand out and competitive in the market as compared to some of the other big players around here? Well, I, I think it's the it's it's the time that we put into deciding when we're ready going to re- to release something. Mm. We don't just make beer just to see if people will like it. We make what we like to drink and we develop recipes that we want to drink two or three back to back. So we're pretty methodical about, you know, sometimes it takes Steve a year to dial in a recipe. And so Mm. by the time we finally package it and put it out into the market, we've had it at festivals, we've had it in our tap room, We've done, you know, done a lot of, a lot of pre-marketing to make sure that it's actually going to sell. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than making like 10, 15 beers, putting it out there and see what sticks, that's uh, really spinning your wheels. And that's, that's not our approach. I mean, we, we love our beer and our customers love it. And our customers are also part of um, the feedback that we get in dialing in our beer. We know what we like, and but I like to put it out there and I love to get the feedback from folks, good, bad, or indifferent. We'll have a conversation over a beer and you tell me why it sucks or you tell me why it's great. I'll tell you why I did what I did. Yeah. And we just have fun with it. Yeah. And uh, like Leslie said, sometimes it takes me eight months to a year to get it to where I think it's like, 
just an awesome beer and it's got to be out there and we want to share it with all you guys. Yep. Yeah. If you want to uh, include us on that tasting list, just put it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll, I'll follow on that sword. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll give you good, bad, the ugly. <laughs> okay. Um, well, I do sweat so before I do. I will say Steve, when, when we were reviewing the, the beers and Leslie, when we were reviewing the, the beers, the one thing that I kept bringing up was my favorite thing about BBC and what you guys are doing is that you're, you're creating beers in my opinion, the way they should be. And you're not trying to do too much. Like what, what I think there's a lot of pressure in the industry now is to be fluffy and the, the creative, like, Oh, we have this peppermint Christmas tree IPA. And it's like, who asked for that? You know, and it's like the, the insane rush IPA. That's what I was telling Sweatham. I go, literally, this is an IPA's lover IPA. Like they're not trying to do anything too much. It's just, it is a good quality IPA that you could just drink. And if you like IPAs, you know what you're getting into. And you're not surprised by like, what is this weird thing that they're trying to do with this IPA to make themselves stand out? And so I, I had to bring that up because you were saying feedback. So that was one thing that I think we kept bringing up that we appreciated about the beers was just that the, the true sense of, you know, bringing out the best qualities of your traditional IPAs and doing it well, not trying to mask it with some of these creativity like stuff that they're throwing out there in, in the market right so, right agreed so do you want us to make like a pumpkin spice version <laughs> of uh something for you hey, my, my <laughs> wife would be all about it i don't i can't say i'm uh, i'm gonna be going for that one but <laughs> now you know to leslie's point it's we really want people to enjoy the beer and want to have you know two or three of them and not just have that first one and go Oh, okay. That was strange or whatever. It's like, we want you to really enjoy the beer and, and have a couple, three of them or six or whatever. 10, 12. (laughs) (laughs) Stay home if you're doing that. Yeah, yeah. Drink responsibly. Uh, (laughs) But also, um, you know, quality is important for us and consistency is important for us. I mean, we've got a lot of lab equipment, I've got brilliant brewers working with me, brilliant packaging guys. I think we've got one of the best teams around. Everybody's accountable. Everybody gives a shit about what they're putting out there and will never, ever put out a shitty batch of beer. I mean, if something is wrong, we're going to analyze it, figure it out, and it'll probably just end up going down the drain, which hasn't happened very often over the last, shoot, I guess we're going on nine nine years. years. But, you know, we're very conscientious about that. So, yeah, I don't want you calling me, Andrew, and say, what the hell happened here? <laughs> yeah, this really went downhill after that interview. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Andrew's <laughs> calling me every week. Um, no, that's awesome. I, I love that. It, I think one of our favorite, also one of our favorite things I'd imagine you guys see good feedback on is obviously the art on the can. It's really, really cool. Can you guys give us a little bit of a story behind that art? And then is it is it just you guys or is, do you have an artist that just does all of them? Like, how does that all come about? Yeah, so we work with this um, incredible agency called Moxie Sozo in Boulder. And they are just the best at branding that that I've seen. Um, so when we, when we were ready to design these cans, it was... It was interesting because I, you know, we met with them and we told them, hey, we're a small starving brewery and they wanted to work with us. 
And specifically because they'd never done a can at that point, they were asking us, well, why don't you, why don't you do bottles? Let's do a bottle label for you. And we, you know, we had to explain to them that we broke too many bottles in the hot tub, which is. <laughs> that's, that's where we have our corporate meetings is in the hot tub. <laughs> we were, we're like, do we do cans or bottles? And we're just breaking all these bottles and going, okay. You know, plus Colorado is such an outdoor pack it in, pack it out. I mean, you can't take a bottle skiing or horseback. Yep. I mean, you could, but rafting, you don't, you don't right. want to do that. So, um, so we worked with them and it was important to me that, you know, I had done some of our pre bottles when we were when we were doing bombers and testing the market, they were all animal themed. So I said, I want to stay with the animal themes. Um, music is important to us. Mm -hmm. Art is important to us. And so together, we just came up with these brilliant ideas. Um, you know, Nate said, "Well, gosh, what do you think about this wraparound design?" Because nobody was doing that at the time. You had to pick up the can and hold it and and move it to see the story. And they also suggested, what about a matte finish? Nobody was doing that at the time. So there was a different texture going on. People weren't also printing all the way to the top of the lid. So there were there were a lot of things back then. That was what, seven, yep, years, seven years ago? Seven years ago that people weren't doing. And so we were first to market on a lot of that. We also had fun with hiding a cowbell on every can. Mm -hmm. And we ended up putting Steve's face on the Styx Pale Ale, have him <laughs> hidden there. So there's, I mean, you can, you can pick up these cans. I remember looking at the Insane Rush can for six months and, and noticing different things after six yeah. months because there was so much complexity to it and the colors are great so it touches all the senses it's mm -hmm. like you see this, yeah. this crazy thing up on the shelf and you're drawn to the what's going on there i gotta pick this thing up and then it's got a matte finish that touches your you know your just the feeling sense and then you're you got to rotate this thing like leslie said to see the whole story and by the time it's in your hand they were these guys at Moxie Sosa were like, we're going to design the best can. You just need to make the best beer. I said, I'll make there the best go. beer. Just make a freaking awesome looking can. And so, yeah. we, you know, it was a great synergy and you it know, worked and, out great. And it's a lot of fun with our names. People like to say Insane Rush and Wreak Havoc and Chillax. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, that's another, that's the audible sensation is... Yeah saying saying the word out loud and then they taste it and and go wow okay i'll I have think. a six pack <laughs> yeah i love it you guys i love how much you guys have thought through every single part i mean you can just tell when you're explaining the can it's like every single little detail and i mean now i'm gonna have to go back and drink all your beers is i need to look for a cowbell yeah <laughs> absolutely absolutely and you gotta look at you gotta find my face on the sticks pale ale yeah, yeah i was i was looking on a at it online. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> I want to. No, I want to see it. I've been. That's great. Yeah. So yeah. I, you, you, you touched on it a little bit with the music pairings. Um, we kind of had some fun with that and played the songs that you guys suggested. And whatnot. <laughs> was it? Was it a song that you guys wanted to be like? 
he wanted to be played while people drink the beer is like we didn't understand the whole connection that you guys wanted to have there. Well, sometimes it's how does this beer make you feel? Then other times it's a play on the name, you know, what does the name invoke? So like wreak havoc is thunderstruck and Rocky like a, was a Rocky like a hurricane, yeah, you know, it was yeah. action. Insane Rush was actually that was just all of my favorites. ACDC, Great White, <laughs> the Scorpions. Scorpions. And, you know, Moxie Sozo, when they were designing that can, they ended up putting a scorpion down in the bottom of the corner. You know, we were looking at, they had the predators, you know, the, the whole theme was, okay, there's a crazy amount of hops in here. Well, rabbits hop. Let's start with rabbits. And what would <laughs> rabbits look like in an insane rush? And so they added the predators, they got the snake and they've got the owl. And then, you know, all of a sudden I'm going, well, what is this scorpion doing? And I realized that Nate had gone to the website and seen that the scorpions were a pairing for Insane Rush. <laughs> so he drew one into the corner. <laughs> That's awesome. and, then the, and then the cowbells that are hidden in here, it's just, we're always about more cowbell, just a little bit more, a little more hot, yeah. a little more flavor. And so it's hidden in there. You gotta, you gotta look for it. You gotta find it. <laughs> It. And can you give us an intro into your Leslie's hot tub party mix? Because we saw, oh, and we I looked up. We were sitting there looking up the artist, trying to figure it out, trying to find it. And we were like, we can't find. We that. literally googled Leslie's hot tub party mix. <laughs> I like, like, I don't think this. I don't think this is something we can just find. I think. And then we were like, oh, Leslie's one of the co-owners. Like, oh, okay, this is like. This is proprietary information. So <laughs> I know I've got to get this recorded and start yes. passing it out. But you know, it's the same thing. We're like I, like Steve said, we have our, our corporate meetings in the hot tub. And I put my hot tub party mix on while we're <laughs> while we're in there. And it's it's eclectic. It's everything from I have 70s funk, I've got classic rock, I've got psycho killer i've got <laughs> some dixie chicks on there and it's, and it's basically just a huge group of songs that i either know every word to or it makes me just bounce in my seat when i listen to it okay you know what you guys should have and i was just thinking about this on the website after under every beer if you had like a little audio player where you could click play and it would play the oh, song associated brilliant with that, there you go. like it just hey that's okay. free that's that's free the first one's free guys so we'll, uh, <laughs> but oh because i was like yeah that'd be so great like if you're trying a beer and you're looking at these beers it's like oh and then you hit play and it'll play the song yes. that it goes with it. Like, yes that's perfect <laughs> <laughs> so so guys i saw and we noticed um when we were drinking these beers every every beer is gluten reduced um <laughs> your seltzers are gluten free what you know what what was the reasoning for that was it just wanting to to uh, attract more customers and then my second question for that was does the reduction of gluten does that have an impact on the flavor and what what does the taste is there any taste impact i guess yes from a, as far as from a technical perspective the process that we use is to help with chill haze but as a byproduct it also helps in reducing gluten um, and it's actually below the limits of 20 parts per million and all that good stuff where a person that has, that's gluten sensitive, I guess, that they could drink this beer. And a lot of our friends have been able to. It's yeah. not for celiacs um, because I, I think 
they truly have to be like barley free, yeah, gluten free. If you make the product with barley, you can't call it gluten free. We even, can say even if it tests at zero because it's still made with with barley. Yeah, with and barley has gluten, but no change to taste, no effect on head retention, no change in color, nothing. It's just it's it's an awesome awesome product and it. And um, we went down that path for a couple couple reasons. Um, number one, Boulder, where we live, is such a um, healthy, I guess, uh, eclectic group of people. And there were a lot of people looking for gluten-reduced or gluten-free choices. And um, so we went down that path. Also, it's a, like I said, it, it helps with chill haze. But um, Leslie was also experimenting with gluten-free at, at one point. And so one of her favorite beers was Flagstaff Amber. And I put it in there. And then we said, well, why don't we put it across the board? Because there's a lot of people asking for it. And so it's, uh, it's a good, healthy alternative. And then we came up with the seltzer because it's totally gluten-free. And w- again, we have so many customers that... I can't drink your beer. Uh, not so many customers, but a small part of the customers who are, I, I'm gluten-free and I can't drink your beer. And, but your Sparkalicious hard seltzer is awesome. And now I can hang out with my friends and, and party with them. And, and it's made with real fruit. So I didn't want to do any extract and syrup or anything like that. It's real fruit. It's real cherry. It's real orange. It's real cranberry. It's real grapefruit. So just kind of like our chili beer. We don't use flakes and this and that. It's Anaheim peppers. Leslie's in the back. She chops up fresh peppers. I know when that batch is going to be super hot because she's in the back heaving and hoeing and hacking and crying. (laughs) And I'm like, you got to put a mask on or glasses or whatever, but she's back there just struggling. I'm like, this is going to be an awesome batch. And it's all fresh. It's all fresh. Is the, is the chili beer, is that one you guys have at your tap room, but not in the can yet? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's such a manual process and it's tough. It would be tough to put it in into production. I would have to do something like, start thinking about an easier process, you know, mm-hmm. maybe have somebody else do all the chopping of the peppers or whatever, or I don't want to go down the dried flakes. I don't want to compromise it. So yeah. right now it's in the tap room and people take that for me, it's a great hangover beer because I'll drink that with some tomato juice and a stick of bacon and olive and you know, all that good stuff. Um, we've got friends who'll come in and they'll do a little bit of the chillax pineapple gold with the chili beer, or they'll do the stout with a little chili. It's, it's, it's funky and it's cool. It's it's just, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. All that. And so I guess for now, you mentioned your guys' tap room. What kind of like, I guess, locationally, what do you guys have now? Is it just that you one tap room in Longmont? We, Matt and I aren't frequenters to Longmont, so we weren't sure. So we were just curious on what kind of, somebody wanted to come to a tap room. How many locations do you guys have? Yeah, we just have the one location in Longmont and we're in the Southwestern corner, not too far from Left Hand and Oscar Blues. Mm, okay. um, we have 
live music. Gosh, I was just telling Steve, I think five days this week, we've got some live music going on, which isn't typical of every week. It just happened to be this week, all kinds of stuff was happening. And we do trivia on Wednesdays. We, you know, at some point we'll start up our open mics again. Those have been on hold mm -hmm. for a couple of weeks, but the tap room experience for us is very important to support. And we, and we, we talk about the craft art, the craft music, the craft beer. And so we always wanted our tap rooms to be full of artists and musicians. Mm -hmm. And we've got food, the food trucks come by. We, you know, we've had a lot of folks, a lot of friends who live down in Denver and they're like, oh, this spot is available or this building. And, and you know, every once in a while we'll tease ourselves and go, oh, what if? But we're not, we're not quite there just yet. I mean, if you guys have a building and you own it and we can work out a deal, we're in. <laughs> All right. If you want to post up in the basement, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll just open a window and just start dishing. There you go. I mean, let's start small. We can always grow, right? Exactly. Exactly. Humble, humble beginnings. Yeah. I like that. It's a, it's a win, not a what if though. That's there, there you go. There you go. Right. We've been bootstrapping it all this, all this time. And that's where bootstrap comes from is I like it. Leslie and I have, um, we put our life savings um, into the business when we started because at the time in 2012, there weren't a lot of banks that were willing to finance us. They're like, what do you know about brewing? What do you know about business? There weren't a lot of investors out there. And so we said, hey, if we're going to do this, we got we to gotta bootstrap it and do it ourselves and have our friends help us put furniture together and paint walls and do all this stuff. So, yeah. And we actually trademarked it, right? There wasn't yeah. any bootstrap yeah, growing up there. Enough. Yeah. Well, good. Well, see it. What's what, it's meant to be. It's meant to be. So I love that. Well, so uh, Leslie, Steve, how the, the seltzer line, it seems like there's obviously a huge transition in the industry, right? To, to seltzer seltzers are just blown up in the past couple of years. What did that look like for you guys? And Steve, I guess more for you as a traditional brewer switching over to seltzers, like what, what did that look like? Did you have to expand space or dedicate a whole new space to just seltzer line? Or like, what did that look like? What did that transition look like for you guys? Yeah. The, you know, the nice thing about, we used to have um, a pilot line in Niwa. So I was able to do a lot of separate stuff and R and D and, and experiment with the seltzer. It's a completely different process. That one also took some time to really dial in and figure it out. And, and I finally got it to a point where we got the process down. It was easy to brew. And now we're in production in Longmont. And so it's not necessarily that we have a separate line. It's still integral as part of one of fermenters available. Then um, we're brewing it in there. It's just a different process. Even the canning is a little bit different just because of, again, the head retention. There's not as much of those proteins to, you know, keep the fizz and stuff. And so when you're canning, it's a little bit different. But other than that, again, we've got the process dialed in and it's not anything separate. Like some other breweries are just growing like crazy with the seltzer and they have to, you know, do a different building or whatever. And 
I guess fortunately or unfortunately for us, when we released this, it was the week before they shut down everything. So this was last year, March 13, something like yeah, that or was... 17. And the week before we released it to our distributors, we were going to go out and do all those beer festivals. We were going to do all this crazy tastings stuff. And, and then boom, we just got shut down. And so it was really word of mouth to get it out there. So right now, even though it's a nice portion of our business, it's not crazy. It's it, our, our production is really about all the other beers that we're producing. Where can you find the, the seltzers? Are, are those being distributed out to liquor stores and stuff around Denver or, okay. Yep. Yeah, we're all over Colorado um, in liquor stores and restaurants. And, and it's also yeah. in our mixed pack. I don't know if you guys oh, had a yeah. chance to pick up uh, a mixed pack, but we, we came out with our, again, one week before the COVID <laughs> shutdown last spring, yes. Perfect. Um, we released our, our mixed 12 pack and it's two of everything we make. So we've got okay. two of the five beers and two of the seltzers in there. And it's um it's a lot of fun because there's we always say there's something for everyone in this we call it a party pack yeah it's brilliant i mean i've got we've got a couple of seltzers in there we've got our chillax at four and a half percent and then all the way up to wreak havoc our imperial red that's 8.5 percent so there's a mix of everything in there for any party you got anywhere or you're going out to the lake or skiing or whatever so it's a 12 pack and it's um, it's pretty awesome. It's selling really well. Yeah, no, I love that. That that wreak havoc kind of put Matt and I on our asses. <laughs> we like drank one. We we drank it towards the beginning of the episode, different than what we usually do, which is towards the end. And Em and I like recorded the. We got back to recording the episode, and I was like, dude, we were like full on just rambling, like drunk. And like, <laughs> <laughs> it was a four hour episode. Right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> It's a long one. Uh, no, Reek Havoc, Reek Havoc is, is awesome. If you want to know what an Imperial Red Ale tastes like, that's it. It's won a couple of World Beer Cup medals. It's won a couple of GABF medals. It just wins medals left and right. And it's funny because when I brewed it, I intended on making an Imperial Red IPA. And I said, yes, this is it. This is the best. And we kept entering it in competitions. And they said, Great beer, wrong category. And I'm like, I'm the brewer. I know what category it is. And then Leslie snuck one behind my back into an imperial red ale category. And we won a gold medal. And I'm like, okay, I guess they know what they're talking about. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Really easy drinking. Yeah, it it drinks like a like a five percent. Yeah. That's, that's why that's I got it. That's why I got us. <laughs> so, are you guys uh, speaking of beers and continuing on? Do we? Um, do you guys have a beer that you're the proudest of? That you look back and you're like that one took the most amount of work. Like this is my my pride and joy. Or is it kind of like your kids and you can't really discriminate? Yeah, I think so. I think it's just <laughs> each one was was different you know each one was like oh man how do we make this and i love that style and and maybe it fits a category or it doesn't it's like let's just make it and i think just trials and tribulations and 
I don't know. I, I, I think they're all awesome, but they, Insane Rush is like our bestseller. Lush Puppy selling like crazy. Chillax Pineapple Gold is a great beer during the summertime and, and super light. Um, Sticks Pale Ale, I'm, I, that's one of my favorites just because my nickname is Sticks and it has my picture on there. But it's, a, it's an awesome pale with a lot of aroma, great flavor. I don't know. They're all fun, great beers. It took a lot of love and a lot of process to make them. She still wants her Flagstaff Amber in a can. <laughs> That's her favorite. But, you know, on, on any given day, I'm drawn to a different style. Yeah. So yeah. today, you know, today I wanted a sunrise for our, for our podcast, but you know, it's like, Yesterday, it was a six pale ale. Tomorrow, it's going to be an insane rush. It's just, how do I feel today? Yeah. yeah. And, and um, just going back to the hard seltzer real quick, that um, those are cocktails based off of cocktails that Leslie and I love to drink. Oh, okay. So the, the Cosmo, that's a martini that I enjoy drinking, even though all my buddies say you're a girl if you drink that. Yeah whatever yeah. then it's I'll 2021 drink. steve we can drink we can drink martinis now <laughs> <laughs> right there we go <laughs> we've got the sunrise because we enjoy drinking tequila sunrise leslie's got a greyhound which is made from grapefruit because she loves drinking I love salty dogs salty dogs and so it's based off of cocktails so there's a story on every one of our beers that we could take you through and it take another hour or so to do that but there's fun stories on everything and why we did what we did. And so it's very intentional. Yeah. And at the end of the day, if I can't stand behind our booth table at a festival and hold each beer up and say, I love this beer and you're going to love this beer, then, then why are we making then it? Why are you making right. it? Right. Well, and so I want to just to end kind of the episode, the last couple of questions we have are, are, crystal ball future questions a little bit so the the first one is are you guys i'm assuming you know that like you said you guys have your uh, separate space for r&d and all that stuff is there a beer that you guys are working on right now that you're super pumped about and if so can you offer a little bit of a teaser as to what that potentially could be or is it all just kind of standard par for the course at this point there's definitely so we got a new pilot line now in in uh in Longmont because we did sell the NIWAP facility. And so now we have the new pilot line and there's some ideas that I've got, some new things that I'm working on. Um, Right now, it's just kind of developing the recipe, doing the first batch, see how that turns out, put it in the tap room. But I already know that it'll take me, you know, three or four turns to really get it to where it's it's starting to develop its character and I'm like, Oh, okay. It's taking me down this path. Let's go down here and, and uh, see what it turns out to be. And what he loves to do is he loves to, to make different batches and put them up against each other for vote in yeah. the tap room. Yeah, we'll have- so it'll be batch one, batch two, <laughs> which one do you like? And then batch three versus batch one. What do you like? Yeah. 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 So that's kind of the process. And our customers love it too. Yeah, I can't say for sure what that next beer is going to be, but I already have it in my mind what I'd like us to go do 
And I mean, I do have it in my mind. Um, I think it would surprise people that I'm working on that, but I'm excited. I, I, yeah. It's so much fun. It's, yeah. I just love it. It's like home brewing again. I mean, come yeah. down to my basement and, you know, we can drink all these fun little crazy things. And Don't, um, don't tempt us with a good time, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> So, so what I hear you saying is we have a pumpkin spice beer coming, <laughs> coming soon. Okay. All right. Coffee. You heard it here first, guys. That's, uh, that's Leslie and Steve here. So. <laughs> I will tell you this, though. Um, we do have on tap, it's limited release. It's our Zeus Imperial Stout. It's an Imperial Coffee Stout that's been in a Maker's Mark. Or no, it's been in a uh, Waterford uh, bourbon barrel. Um, for a year and it's nice and thick you know how you can take a glass of like cognac or something and you just turn the glass and bring it back and it's syrupy on the side of the glass it's yeah. nice and thick and it's got a lot of flavor and we're selling them in um, in champagne bottles right now and it's freaking delicious it's one of those things where you gotta have a cigar and your smoking jacket you got the fireplace yep. going you know and and you're drinking this 13 and a half percent. That was my next question is what the what the ABV is. Cause I was like, I've, I've seen right. those and I've gotten in trouble. There's been some uh, late night pizza fifth meals after there you go. in my day. Yeah, so. all right. he, he explains his beers the same way I do, which is the setting I would be in when I drank that beer. <laughs> yeah. I love that. That's right. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess on top of Matt's question of the future, um, do you got, what's, what do you think the future is for Bootstrap? Is it, you know, just keep doing what you're doing, releasing new beers? Is it expanding your distribution? Is it opening new tap rooms? Like, what do you guys see as that future? Well, we did just expand up into Wyoming and we're talking to uh, a couple other states. So, mm -hmm. well, we're going to, we're doing, we want to grow in a smart way. We don't want to rush into anything. So, you know, again, we're going to, we're going to be analytical and methodical about our growth. And we got to make sure that we can support them and all that. We don't want to just dump beer somewhere and say, Hey, I hope it sells. You know, we got to be able to support that. We got to be there. We got to talk to people, have fun at the tastings and all that good stuff. So it's, it's kind of been a methodical growth uh, growth this year. We decided to just make sure we've got everything covered in Colorado and we've had distributors come to us and say, we've had your beer. We think it'll sell really well. What do you think? So we're having those conversations. We are growing, which is great. Um, the building we're in, uh, actually a couple really cool things that happened this last year is Dale from Oscar Blues. He invested in Bootstrap. And we've known him for a long time. Our boys played baseball together growing up and whatnot. And he just sees some fun stuff that we're doing, innovative, whether it's process or beers or whatever, and continuing making great beers. So he's like, man, I want to be part of this. Let's have some fun. So he brings some chaos to our, our office and, and brings things from out of left field. It's like, where did that come from? But let's talk. Let's talk about that. And then we hired a couple of salespeople who are helping us do some amazing things. So yeah, we're, we're growing. We're hoping that there's a, a nice path moving forward. And, 
And we um, don't. We just did release our second non-alcoholic beer. Yep. We've got our strapless series. Yep. And so right. we had the IPA released late December, and we're just now shipping our gold out this week. So yeah, so that's that's another crazy story. That's another part of our business. And again, that was again a lot of people coming to our place and and they're drinking Izzy's or root beer or whatever, and they right. want to hang out with the friends and drink a beer. And so. And, and also I became a little bit more active. Leslie became a little more active and we're like, hey, let's make this uh, non-alcoholic beer and see what is that like? So that was the whole nother process. And shoot, the first couple of um, competitions we entered, we, we won some medals on it. So it's actually a really, really good tasting NA IPA. And we just released the gold. I'm... I'm impressed. I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> you pressed yourself. You will love it. No, that's great. No, well, yeah, I, I, I can't say I've ever had a non-alcoholic beer. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I may, I may follow up a few, uh, a few real beers with a non-alcoholic just to try it out. I still get the yeah. fun, but then I get to try that out after. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. Gonna give that a shot. It, it's just kind of fun, you know. I can yeah. ride my bike and have a couple yeah. of. Any IPAs, and we put some electrolytes in there, so it's a little bit more. It's actually a beer that that you can rehydrate yourself with after a workout. So it's kind of a different concept and a different group of people who love buying it. Yeah. And um, so we're just going to continue with that and and have some fun with it. And are you guys canning that? I'm assuming that's not in the the party pack. It's a is that separate? No. It's separate. It's called strapless. Got it. Okay. Okay. I'm following. I was I like, I didn't know if our listeners got the party pack and they're like, why don't I feel anything? It's like, well, <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. We're going to make sure you feel a lot with the party pack. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. That's why it hits the name party pack. So yes, exactly. The other one. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, Steve and Leslie, thank you guys so much. You guys are awesome. We've enjoyed having you guys a, a ton on the podcast. Everyone, again, that is Steve and Leslie Kazoos. They are the owners of Bootstrap Brewing Company. Thank you guys again so much. We really appreciate it having you on today. You got it. Thanks again.